if you if you cannot connect to my work now there will be days where you maybe think back of it or wait there will be days where you can look back at it where you can connect with it and if you have to face these days i'm here you know like i can provide maybe something that helps you go over this phase or Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. This week's episode is the first part of a two-part conversation with the amazing Cursed by Mora. Cursed by Mora, aka Marcel, is a photographer from Austria who creates stunningly atmospheric images that explore human existence and the way in which an image can represent so much more than the subject it depicts. I had a great time talking to Marcel, and I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. So I'm going to start where I start with everybody, which is uh, just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became a photographer. Okay, um, let's start with myself. My name is Marcel, Marcel Schuster. I'm from the very, I'm located in the very south of Austria, um, in Carinthia to be precise. I'm living on the borderlands to Slovenia and Italy. So it's really just five minutes away to get there. Uh I'm 32 years old and how I got into photography was actually just by accident. Like it never, photography never popped up on my radar, to be honest. Like it it never occurred to me to be something that I would like to fulfill or chase or something like that. And it happened by accident or more or less out of a mood. The story to it is 2000, at the end of 2017, I was, I had an, an heavy illness, it's illness, I think, because I, I had a heart inflammation and I was, I wasn't able, you know, I'm a man of extremes, okay, to, to, to be completely straight off, like I was an extreme power lifter, okay, and then all of a sudden they were like, you know what, Mm-mm, that's not good for your heart, you're not able to do that anymore, so they took the sports away from me and I was like, shit, I need to find something else. And you know, it, it was it was a, it was extreme downfall because it was like I was on the on the top of my physique at the top of my form. You know, I was really celebrating it. Yeah, I, I felt great through it, and then oh, they took it away from me, and I was like, "Fuck! What am I going to do now with my time? I need some sort of outlet." I would say, uh, I I went to the local the doctors. They allowed me to take a two hour walk, a two hour walk per day, and. Uh, other than that, I was just forced to lay in bed. And so I I took the two-hour walk. It, it was a really hard thing, you know. It was really, it was end stage, or more or less. I mean, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I It was very bad. And I went to the local media store, and I just saw this camera package there. You know, it was like 400 euros. It was just a Canon, I don't know, what was it? A simply Canon beginner type of camera, you know, with an, with the with a lens, and I was like, maybe I could do this, you know, just just to just to get these two hours around per day. I have to go out and walk anyway, so let's just take some pictures. It was really out of the mood. Like, and then I I bought this camera, I activated it straight off, you know, and the next day because I had to charge the batteries and shit, and. This is how it actually started. This is how I actually became interested in capturing everyday life around me. And this was actually the time when, you know, there was this boom on Instagram where everybody became a street photographer and everyone was so into street and shit. And I just jumped the train, you know, I was 
let's do it, let's try it. And so I captured everyday life in my little city. And yeah, this was actually, yeah, that was the start. It was the beginning, the foundation. How interesting is it that, that like, not had you not been ill, it wouldn't have happened, but had you not been ill, it possibly wouldn't have happened that way. Like, and it's kind of interesting that you used photography kind of just yeah, as yeah. like a documentation for like, you know, the time you had outside. That's really, really cool. I I guess if if there wouldn't be that, that accident, uh, if it wouldn't be that illness, if it wouldn't go there until that certain day, I probably would never have started with it because I really I had no connection to it, like absolutely zero. And that's crazy. It was. Just, it is. It is. I, I was talking with a friend the other day about it, and you know we, we were chit chatting about it, and he was like, "Wow, you you're really doing good," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah but." Just imagine, just imagine if everything was okay, if I was doing, continuing doing my sport and, you know, never even think of something like this. And he was like, shit, you're actually right. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it makes you kind of think like what kind of opportunities and um, like hobbies and stuff that we could have, you know, we could very much go into and be good at, but we just don't take the time to or we just haven't really found that yet. That's kind of, because it's like your work is is very, very good. It's not like, you know, you fell into photography and your work is okay, like your work is awesome. And it's like, it has a very nice aesthetic and it's very kind of considered. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny that that wouldn't have necessarily been something you would have done. I don't know, that's just weird, but it's also really cool though, I think. No, it, it is a really interesting train of thought if you just keep going with it. But yeah, that's the story how I got into photography. So where did the name Cursed by Morrow come from? <laughs> That's such a, you know, when I when I started photography, I, I had my little Instagram profile. It was just in, just in a regular bit probably. And, you know, I backed it. It just, it developed, you know, it, it got some, it, it got some sort of motion in there. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I could really turn this into a photography thing. And so I, when I, when I got, got along with street photography, I just keep the old tag, I keep my old profile, I keep the people in there who were actually willed to stay because it was a little bit of a change. Yeah. And yeah. the name Cursed by Morrow actually, when I, when I decided to switch from street photography to more fine art photography, I wanted to to give myself a new identity, to give my work a new identity, you know, just to label myself in a different direction. Because people knew me by then. Back at that time, I was, I hit a few milestones in street photography. Let's say, you know, I got the big features, I got a bit of traffic, people know who I was. So it wasn't like, oh, this guy came out of nowhere. Like, I, 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 had, a, I had a small name, you know, and then I changed from this to that. And I was like, fuck, I need to label it completely different. And there was this song, I was listening to music, I'm listening to music all day long, practically, and I was listening to the, it, are you familiar with the band? It's a deathcore band from Australia, and they're called Make Them Suffer. No. It's a band, <laughs> I, I love, you know, when working out, it's my, it was my band back then, and I really love those guys. And there, there's this song of theirs, it's called Never Bloom. And in this line of the song, uh, he says, it was Morrow who cursed this place. And I was like, I heard that line. I was like, fuck. Repeat. Yeah, it was Morrow who cursed this place. And I, I could connect to this line on so many levels, you know, to be Morrow himself as a person, to be like 
you know, it, it, it was just overwhelming. And I was like, I have to do something with this. Like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm that kind of guy, I'm notes, I take notes of everything, you know, when I'm trying to, you name it, I note it, you know, <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. So I put my phone out, you know, I was noting. And when later on, when I was really brainstorming about a new name, I came across that line again. It was, I don't know, let's say two weeks after I heard it. And I was like, shit, you know, it had the same impact on me like it had on the day I actually heard it. And I was like, that's something, that's really something because it's, that's something that matters something to me. Let's put it like that. And so the name Cursed by Morrow was actually born, inspired by this great band and by the great line of that great band. Hey, that's fascinating because your work has a very particular aesthetic that's kind of quite gloomy. And the idea of like the word cast being in the kind of the title of a name kind of it's like interestingly reflective, even though it's not necessarily meant to be. That's kind of quite that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of it doesn't really tell you anything about you, but it also tells you a lot about yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, because it really just like I, I knew where I wanted to go with my photography. You know, I knew where, what I wanted to achieve and this. Therefore, I really wanted to, you can call it, I wanted to build a brand on it. You know, I wanted to yeah. establish something and therefore I'm a very organized guy. And therefore, I really had to think about, okay, this is the concept. This is what you're going to do. You have the color grade system. You have this. You just need something like that, that keeps people, you know, that keeps them on your side, that, that drags them in. That something that's like, hmm, why? Or something where they can connect the name to the color, for example, or the name Absolutely. to the picture. Yeah. And this was, it, I thought about it quite a lot and I took a completely different approach to it, to be honest, because as I told you, this was nothing like, okay, I have my street photography account, I'm doing a few pictures here and there. I really tried to build it up as, as a brand, I really tried to establish something here. And I think with that name and... Now that you know my pictures, you're familiar with that look and everything, it just plays together very well. Yeah, so I'm actually really curious, like how does creating work underneath like a brand or kind of more of like a pseudonym kind of affect the work you create? Like, do you feel like you can create work in a more free way or do you think you're not as restricted because, you know, it's under a brand as opposed to say your name? <laughs> my work being restricted by that? Uh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't quite understand. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's so... Quite... Yeah, so do you think that, um, like, how do you think creating, let me think about how to phrase it in a better way. Like, how do you think creating work under Curse by Morrow, like, does that restrict the work or does that help you be more free with the work because it's not under your own name? So you can kind of do work that isn't going to be necessarily linked back to you if people don't know it's you. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had a few experiences in that field because um, the thing is, I'm into photography of all sorts of kind. You know, I'm really trying to experiment with everything lately with product photography and everything. You know, I'm really, I'm really trying to expand my horizon and see beyond it. But the thing is, excuse me, for this brand here, I'm only showcasing what's fitting to the brand. Yeah. You know, like we, we really talk about it at brand number and label right now, because when I'm going out and doing some macro photography or I do, I'm doing, I also do sunsets and stuff, you know, from like, yeah. People would say pretty things, but yeah. it's just it's just not fitting for the label. It's not fitting for the output. It's not fitting for the audience I'm aiming towards. So therefore, it limits me. Yes, but no. In a in a 
you know, when, when, when we're speaking of, of the work per se and of the audience I'm targeting, I have, I have, a, I have a special kind of, me, of viewer in mind, for example, for the output that I'm doing, okay? It's like when you have to imagine it like this. Okay, let, let, let's let's go down the rabbit hole. It's like <laughs> now, but you have to you have to, people, for example, they come to my page, they see my work, and they're like, mm, I don't like it. It's it's too dark. It's too mm, it's too blah. I don't like it. And I'm like, that's fine. It's perfectly fine for me. But I know that someday, someday you will face a situation where you're like, fuck. This really speaks to me in some sort of way, you know. My clientele is always changing. I do not expect people to be to have their shit together and be like, I like his pictures because these people will move on eventually. But you know, I just want to have an impact on you. Therefore, if you really are at some point of your life when you're like, shit, I really can connect to that. I can connect to that scheme. I can connect to that color, dude. I'm there. I'm having you. You know, like, be my guest. Check it out question what would you like to see from something you know in a, in a different situation this is what i was looking for a piece of work an art piece like something that what would the viewer would like to see like what would you like to see how do you feel at the moment how do you feel about when you think about certain things can someone provide these things like it's it's all you know it's all glitter and shiny but people barely they they, they talk a little bit too less about yeah, the dark side sometimes, you know, like especially on this, you know, social media where everything is just come on, let's all be friends and yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and this, 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 and this is this is something for me personally. Like, art should be this is my personal opinion, but if art's uncomfortable, it awakes it, it's awakening something in me, you know. And this is exactly when I'm looking at pictures, for example, or when I'm visiting galleries, like. I'm always dragged towards these more darker, moody tones in paintings, for example. For uh, two two weeks ago, uh, I was at a very, I was at a very Sasha at a friend of mine, and you know she's she's a painter herself, and there were at least I don't know there were twenty five paintings in the room, and you know so colorful and bright and you know like really pretty. Like don't get me wrong, really beautiful paintings. But there was this one picture in the middle of the room, like it was just, it was A3 maybe, and there was just one corner of it was black and greenish, you know, it, it popped out to me. It was like, like, you know, like a moth to the flame. I just went yeah. there and I was like, shit, that, 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 that is caught, it, it caught my attention subconsciously. I don't know why, because the room was filled with pretty shit, you know, and I was like, like the moth to the flame, like, let's check this out. And I was standing there and it was just, you know, a tiny fraction of a picture, actually, of a painting, excuse me. And I was just like admiring it, like, wow, that's great. See, that's a really interesting consideration in terms of like the viewer. I think you're probably one of the very few people that I've spoken to who actually has a viewer in mind. Um, a lot of the artists I speak to just create work and then hope that someone's going to connect with it, as opposed to reversing that and being like, oh, what? I'm actually talking about what I'm actually saying and who is actually going to want to see this. Um, so I think your approach is very, very interesting. And um, yeah, it's very fascinating. Now you, you, you really have to see it like this. I am very well aware that my art or my form, my form of art, it's not, it's probably not consum consumable over, over years, you know, by one person, for example, 
because it, it's, it's staged on different areas on life, mostly the, the negative ones. And when, when someone, as I told you before, when someone passes my patient, he's like, I don't like that shit. It's too moody. <coughs> Maybe, God beware, something happens in a few months and you will think back and be like, shit, I, there, there was this thing that I saw or I remember these colors. I connect them with something bad and, you know, yeah. they automatically they see themselves like, shit, there was something. I can remember something. And this is, as I told you, I really have a perspective when it comes to viewers, because I just want to, I just ask myself, what do you want to see from other people? Like in, in bad times, like what does art, how does it speak to you? And can you provide the same feeling you get when you look, for example, at that, at that little fraction of a painting? Can you provide the same feeling to someone else? So just that they're staying there and just admiring this little tiny fraction of dark artwork, actually. So... So it's very interesting that you are pretty much self-taught for the most part um, from YouTube. Is that correct? Oh, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm only self-taught. Like, so, from scratch. Yeah, so I'm kind of really, I'm just curious generally, because I actually really enjoyed looking through your um, story the other day when you asked people to ask you questions. Um, and I looked at all your responses. They were really, really cool. And I was like, I was like, oh, now I've got a load of questions to ask. Um but like, I'm really curious just as to like how important do you think it is for photographers and artists um, to learn about things and to kind of go out there and actually kind of find the information themselves? It's very important. I think it's very important in a sense of it depends on where you want to go with your art or what you want to do with it. But for example, when I started out, like, you know, as I told you or as you could see in my stories, I, I was a bloody beginner. Like I had no knowledge of the technique of the lightning of anything behind it. I was I I was lucky enough to have the time because I was I was bound to bed basically. Yeah. Time was on my side and I had to kill this time. And when I bought, I had my the, the Canon camera I mentioned before. I think I had this thing for oh, two months maybe because you know I I figured out that really quick. That's, that's too heavy. It's too slow for that kind of photography I would like to do. It's too heavy. It's too slow. Back in the day, I was watching a YouTube video by a YouTuber called Tom Sawyer. And he did a review on the Fujifilm X100F. And it was it was new at, at, at that time. You know, it just came out. I was like, shit, I want to have that. Because it's small. It's compact. You know, it's like it has all the settings on the outside. But it was... A shit ton of money at that time because it was a, I think it was 1,300 euro or something like this. So you have to imagine just the mindset. You are a beginner. You have no idea what, where this thing is going to lead you. And I was like, no. Nah. My impulsive ass was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna buy this camera. <laughs> you know, it will it will just help you to improve and stuff. And I bought the camera. And the funny thing is I learned everything about it afterwards. You know, I was just so impulsive to, I wanted to, to get a grip on it. And then I, when I had it, I was like, okay, the dials are on the outside. It's way easier that way. Now I can learn about exposure and everything because I started off something that bugged me about Canon and about the Canon system for me personally was just, it was so hard. Everything was just, you know, it was completely automatic. And I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, giving the, the tech or the camera in that in that sense, the decision to do whatever it likes to do. You know, I want to be in full control, and therefore I went with manual straight off, and I learned it from scratch. And you know, and there's this 
the, the exposure triangle and all these things, I was taught by YouTube alone, especially this dude, his name is Mike Brown. Yeah, he, he's such an, such an, such a, a wholesome old dude, you know, he was like, or he is back at the time, he was between 55 and 60. And he was really explaining photography in such a gentle way, you know, for beginners, like, you know, that kind of when you when you come to a class, and you have no idea what you're doing there, actually, like, the dog meme, and he's just explaining it to you in such a gentle and genuine way that you really like, uh, for dummies, more or less, but I learned so much on that. I, I, I watched his videos on repeat during the night and I practiced everything the very next day because I have to point it out again, I had the time advantage on my side. I get it why people, people ask me like, how long are you doing photography? 10 years? And I'm like, no, for four years. But don't take this as my word because I had time, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to That's work. Part. And, and, you know, I want to become so good in this. Yeah take your time like it takes time it was just my advantage at that point and since i've told you in the beginning i'm a man of extremes i just wanted to i it was my obsession because i i went back from sports and now i got into photography and i'm an ride or die all or nothing kind of dude you know so it was just the, 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 the kind of black and white dude yeah and so i think youtube is it's such a it's it's a huge and a very powerful tool, especially in the world of artists. When I learned everything about uh, um, the exposure triangle, for example, and manual settings, I went on. I went into the color wheel, you know, to contemplatory colors, or however the English word is, I have no idea. And, you know, I really started, I, I did step by step by step. And it was not like that I was watching one video and was like, okay, I can do it now. No, I watched it. I practiced it. I told I told people about it. You know, I tried active teaching as well because I really wanted to manifest everything. I really wanted to get this wisdom. Like, hey, I can provide something because I learned about. It. I studied it for the last six months. You know, and therefore it's very important. And it's also very important to have a teacher or a mentor, in my opinion, as an artist in general, because you have to see something. You have to see it like this, Mike Brown, for example, um, or that Tom Sawyer dude, and a few, there were two, two others, they, but especially Mike Brown, I will never meet this guy, you know, I will never be able to say hello to him, to shake his hand, but, and he, he's not even aware that I'm existing, but the impact that this man had on my life, on my, on my approach as an aspiring photographer, as an artist, this is something like, you know, I, I can never pay that back because he was just with his, he gave me so much information and so much on my way. And this is the sad thing about it. You know, I, I, if you think about it like this, because you're learning from people that you ever, they, they give you so much and it's for free for fuck's sake. So yeah. take advantage of it. And therefore, yes, I really do think it's a very powerful tool that everyone, every artist should be using because it doesn't matter if it's about paintings or music, yeah. if it's about, you know, riffs or it doesn't matter. There's so much, so many tutorials, so many how to, you know, how to videos, boop, boop, boop. just choose it. And, but again, as someone who re it really depends on where you want to go with your art or with that kind of stuff. 
Do you just want to do it as a hobby? Do you just want to, you know, smell into it and see how it works? Do you really want to get money out of it? I mean, it, it's all about your intentions, to be honest. And I think maybe this is just my radical, extreme um, approach on it. <clears throat> but I, I really was like, all or nothing. There's no in-between. You have time. You're going to learn it now. You have no idea, but you're going to learn it. And after the six, after the six months, after you're back in work and after you're back at what you're doing, you can tell people about what you did in these six months because you're not going to sit there and do and not doing shit. You know? And it was it was also very important, to be honest, uh, for my for my mental health as well, because you know, after this illness and everything, I just had to I had to get back on track, I had to find something, you know, to. To be inspired, to be inspired by again something to, it it may sound um, drastical, but drastically, but something to to live for, something to stand up and be like, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm you know just have my to do list, my checklist, and this is important, my motivation, if you would like to call it like that. So yeah, I'm actually really curious. I feel like I keep saying that, but I'm gonna I'm a curious guy. What can I say? Um, I'm really kind of curious. Like, would you want to be that mentor teacher figure? I feel like you'd be a very good person to do that. Yes, definitely. I see my definitely. I see myself one day as well to be that kind of guy in one way or the other. It, it's something that I wasn't aware of, to be honest. But it's it just reflected back at me, you know, when I was talking to people on Instagram, example, when I was reaching, when people were reaching out, you know, and, and I was like, no, I have the time to tell this dude now that he should take care of this and that. You know, it, it happened subconsciously because I was like. He needs your help. He's reaching out. So obviously, be that guy again. Mindset: be that guy that you wanted to be back. Uh, you wanted people to be back then when you yeah. started out. You had a question. You approached someone. But this is this is again. This is the this is the downside of Instagram, and this is something that's so it's concerning in some way. Because I'm trying to answer to every question, you know, or to every, I really, I'm really trying to, to, to stay in touch with the community. And it's so shocking when people, when you, when I'm texting back, you know, and people are like, oh, I did not expect you to text back. Or, oh, I never expected an answer. And I was like, why? Like, what? Why? Like, you, 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 have, you have a concern, you have a question. If I can help you, be my guest. But if you ask me something about rocket science, of course, I would be like, hmm, there's a Wikipedia article. But if I can help you, I can help. But people get so distracted by these numbers these days, like Instagram, for example, that it's just, it, it's a concern to me. Thinking back, okay, back then, I, I didn't expect anything like that as well. But it's just, you know, I'm here to talk. I'm here to connect. And then it's like, oh, I didn't expect an answer. Like, Fuck, how no. I, I could definitely relate to that. I, mean, I didn't expect an answer from me back either. So um, I could definitely, but I think it's because um, I think because we put people, especially with large followings on pedestals on social media, and it's like people might not seem as approachable um, or they might not seem as personal because like, you know, you're not in your stories necessarily. You're not necessarily the most um, at the forefront of your work. So therefore you can kind of seem quite mysterious and quite kind of, um, like in the background, if that makes sense, because your work is the forefront. So it's like sometimes that may, you may not seem particularly approachable or it may not seem like you're going to answer because we don't really see you, maybe. That was something I was thinking about the other day as well, because, uh, yeah, I talked to a friend of mine 
who's um, into a, is it some sort of social media media agency? I don't know. He's just promoting, you know, these kind of influencer kind of people. And he was like, dude, you have to put your face behind your brand. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but... And, and he explained it very, um, very understandably to me. He was like, yeah, but then people can connect to you even more. You know, they feel like they are your friend or something like this. If yeah. they personally see who's behind it. And it, it really gave me something to think about, to be honest. But at that point, I'm not ready for that. Maybe, maybe by the point that this um, podcast will be released, maybe then. But if you were talking about straight it right now, no. Nah. I think what I've learned personally because I'm quite interested in real life, which is funny. Um, but I think you kind of realize there comes to a point where you have to make a decision whether you're going to be um, like somebody's friend or if you're going to be just kind of more the mysterious artist. There's kind of, there is a point which you have, because either because either path you choose has advantages and disadvantages. And it kind of, as you said earlier, it's just kind of really about what you want from your from your career, I guess, and like how you want to approach things and, and what the end goal you actually have is. Um, because you know there's nothing wrong with your work just being very self and nobody ever seeing you because that's not a bad thing at all that's that can add more interest in your work in some way but then if you become somebody's friend that could potentially harm what you're doing because you're not there to be people's friends you're there to still be the creator of some images and you know like the idea of friends online we throw around the word friend very very easily nowadays and it's kind of it's quite hard to really determine where that line really truly is in terms of between strangers and friends um so i don't know so that i'm thinking about i always think about as well um in terms of the fine fruit bowl and and do i want to put myself out there a bit more you know it's a bit of a weird one i i completely agree with you especially what you said about friends and strangers that thin line it's true it's completely true and but now i'm at that point of my career I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to the letter, you know, like, I'm just like, okay, I'm more the mysterious artist, you can reach out to me, I'll, I'm gladly here to talk to you, but uh, here's my color, not my face, here, here, here are my pictures, they have that color, that's me, and this is just, you know, I mean, I tried it, I really tried it, you know, I, I took advantage of this, you know, of the close, um, close friends yeah. um, feature on Instagram, for example, and I really was like, you know what? This is for the core audience. This is for your guys. You know, this is for your folks. Just, I probably posted one picture <laughs> of my face and I was so fucking uncomfortable. Like, you know, like, shit. I'm not that kind of guy. What can I say? Yeah. If you go through my phone, if I would hand you my phone right now, there would be maybe three three pictures of myself, yeah. three selfies. Yeah. And these are back from 2014, probably, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that. I'd, somebody asked me for a picture of me when I was younger. And I was like, I don't have a picture. But like, <laughs> someone's like, what, can, like, do you have a picture of yourself? I was like, I don't have a picture of myself from at least like six, seven years ago, maybe. Because yeah. I just don't take, like, I'm busy taking pictures of other stuff and other people and other things. And it's like, I don't, that's not how I live my life. But okay, cool. Right, whatever. Um, and I found one from like six years ago. So I sent them that. I was like, there you go. Here's me from six years ago. I look exactly the same. Here you go. Um, but it's, it's, it's about comfort. It's about what you're comfortable with. And um, how comfortable you are expressing yourself through your work, both physically and, you know, kind of uh, figuratively, figuratively and literally, that's what. Um, but actually talking about career, like how is how important is it actually for you to have a career in photography? Not that important. Okay. Like, I mean, it, I mean, it depends on what, what we what we consider 
as a career. Yeah, okay, that's true. But okay, let me rephrase that then. How important is it for you to make money from photography? Oof. <clears throat> it's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't lie. I would lie if I would say it was it was not important yeah. because the shit that I put into it, you know, the money itself for the it costs money. Yeah. And photography is just, it's just like music. It's an expensive hobby. If you maybe you play one gig per weekend, you get 50 bucks and your guitar was 460 bucks and you're like, oh, okay, that will totally pay off. No, mate, it won't. It not, it's not going to work like that, you know? And if I, I just want to, how, how <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I didn't do the, all the maths on it, but if I just, if I w- would be able just to cover the expenses or at least if I was able to cover what I'm paying yearly for my adobe membership that would be a career for me already because this is no yeah exactly but this is something if 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 i would make 140 or 42 euros you know just it would be a career for me because i would not have to worry about oh shit it's october oh shit adobe is going to (laughs) knock on my door (laughs) it would just be like i'm fine yeah so therefore, but now, nah, I mean, on, on the long term, <clears throat> of course, I was, I have some, I have some things, some things in the back of my hand right now. And, but again, it's just like, what do you consider personally as a career? Because I never thought that this was, was even going to happen. You know, I, I didn't plan it to happen. I, I put my mind on it. I was like, okay, prepare. What if? But all of a sudden you're here. What if people uh, six months ago, seven months ago, if not longer, I started to create presets. You know, I, I just I just put I just created six presets, put them together. Maybe if someone would like to have it, I have it prepared. You know, I was playing with the thought, but I never actually experienced to wake up one day and people are really like oh my gosh, how much are they? Where can I get it? And, you know, and I was like, fuck. The thing that you were actually preparing for, which was just something like a faraway dream, people are actually asking. Because as I told you in the beginning, I do not expect people to come up to me and be like, I want to buy this or that from you. Because I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself to be that person to be like, yeah, come on, it's great. You can, you know, nah, nah. I did, I did free prints. Um, the very first prints uh, I did for myself, they're still hanging here on the wall. And I just, you know, I look at these pictures and I'm like, fuck, they look amazing because it's, they are my kind of tune. They're my kind of story. But just imagine to people waking up next to these things, for example, it's so, it's so unreal to me. Like I haven't had, I haven't wrapped my head around that thought yet. And still it happens. So it's really weird for me because a lot of the photographers I speak to are very, 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 very shy at promoting and trying to sell their work. Um, for some reason, a lot of photographers seem to be very kind of reserved when it comes to trying to sell their work. They're not necessarily as like, they don't really feel like they're deserving. And um, I think it's a shame because then there people are creating exceptionally great work and it's like, not everyone is going to reach out to you. So you have to also do the work of, you know, promoting yourself also. And I think, um, you know, like you sell prints, do you still do sell prints now? 
I do sell prints. I yes, didn't know that. I, See? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because this, this is the thing. This is the thing that's happening right now. I have to admit, a lot of it has to do with the last talk we had, you know, yeah. about website. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I really have to give that. You gave me so much input and so much things to think about that I, I sat there at the evening. I was doing my list, you know, and I was like... This is what I'm doing. I have this is why what, what I told you before. I have projects going on right now, and they will they are actually ready. They are ready to print, they are ready to launch. But I want to wait with it when I you know when the website is up because I hate to promote these half-assed things over Instagram, for example, yeah. and be like, hey, I have this and this and this print, just Write me a DM. Like, how fucking unprofessional is this? You know, in, 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 my, in my own sense, I want to have it on a page. I want to have it where people really can see, okay, here you got everything together. You like the picture, you can buy it as a print. You like the look, you can buy it as a preset if you would like to. You would like to buy a course or a teaching, here you can have it yeah. as well, you know. I want to yeah. sell the whole package, not just the, the fragments of it. Because yeah. I've... So if, if someone really, if someone reaches out to me and asks for a print, which they occasionally do, I'm like, yeah, what do you have in mind? Here is a, um, excuse me, here is a, I will send you a folder of prints I already did. So you can look through. If you like something, just let me know. Because right now it's really just, <sighs> I'm not promoting it on a big scale because as I told you, it's just like, work circumstances aside right now which is also a huge factor i just don't i i don't have the time my screen time on instagram nowadays is maybe 15 to 20 minutes at max you know and this is when when, when i post something when i really when i go online answer a few yeah. questions and post something and it's I, I swear to god it's so hard these days just when everything is flowing in and i have to sort out because i have so many other things to do and therefore, a website, it would be so much easier for me. It would be so much. Uh, but again, there are the work circumstances. I have no idea what will happen next week, for example. Yeah, of course. Right, so, yeah. No, but, but the, the things are launched. Everything is prepared. Everything just waiting to be printed and stuff. And it, it, it's eating away on me as well, because I think like, you know, I'm that kind of guy. Fuck, I, I work for it. I have it here. Yeah. I have it here. So yeah. Let's put it out. Absolutely. And not just that, like. People are going to want it as well. And I have to, I have to um, add, if you allow me, because I, I think I gave you the wrong ex impression. And um, when I said back then, uh, what I said, the, the question you had before, I just want to point it out as well. I'm not, my prints, for example, or my work, I'm, I'm not shy about them. You know, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really proud about them. And I have to, I also have to say my prints are not going to be cheap by any of course. means, you know, because. They are not going to be like, oh shit, I just got a 20 euro or 30 euro print. No, because when people do it, it's okay. It's, it's, but for me, the pictures themselves, they, they have value to it, man. They have, I can, I can tell you, you know, there, there's value about each and every picture and so much work of detailing and perfection that this, not my time. It's it's not the time that these pictures cost me, but it's just the value they have. You know, the story, the yeah. background story they have. And I don't want to produce. I I also this is something that I figured out myself as well. I I, I don't want to be that kind of, you know, quantity 
poof, have it. Everyone can have it because I really am aiming towards it. We are, we are speaking about something now. Um, I don't want, I, I want really quality matters. And I'm going yeah. to the, the first prints that I'm going to launch, um, which they are going to be limited prints only. Because when people really connect to that stuff, you know, and really people connect to me and my work, then they should have some sort of benefit of it. You know, they, yeah. I don't want to make it accessible for the masses because maybe it's just a different thought or different approach to it. But I fucking value my own work. You know, for me, it's damn valuable. And therefore, I think it deserves someone who can really value this as well. Someone who really knows, okay, this is the story behind it. This is what's hanging there. This is, you know, not someone just like, oh, cool. Do you make prints? Yes. Is it more than 20 bucks? Yes. I'm not interested. You know, I, I don't need all those kind of people in my clientele. Don't get me wrong. But so many people reaching out and they're like, do you sell prints? Yes. What size? <clears throat> Currently, A4 and A3. I prefer A3. And <clears throat> how much is it? Yeah. Starting with 90 euros up to 120. <clears throat> no. Oh, okay. Uh, do you have smaller, smaller things? No. Currently, I don't have it, you know, which is, uh, it's understandable. I mean, but maybe just because it's because of me, because I'm that kind of guy. I am probably one of these dudes. I still pay for art. When I see a print, I go there, I, I, I contact, you know, the artist and I'm like, hey, I saw your picture. I connected with so many artists this way over Instagram and their pictures are hanging here on my wall now because, and I know... I know that these prints weren't cheap. I know that I could be there and be like, hey, you know what? Let's just save it as, you know, and go to the print shop and do it myself. But it's just these, these, these. Yeah, I know these people. You know, I know And a guy, a friend asked me like, why don't you just right-click, save it as, and go to the print Oh, my goodness, like, no. What the fuck? No. Dude, you did no. That That's me. just like, no. oh. <laughs> yeah exactly oh that's it's like really something horror to any artist creating anything exactly, ever, anywhere exactly like that's so devaluing exactly. the whole system of even creating anything like that oh no i would uh not be friends with that person i was like you cannot spread things like that you cannot say this to me because i'm trying you know i'm trying to sell my yeah. shit what the fuck are you actually talking about no and you know when i see a piece of work that i really connect to or that are, that are really that i see and I'm just, I'm just reaching out and be like, hey, how is it? Do you sell prints? And, you know, I, I have the impression personally that people I'm reaching out to, they don't take it very serious. You know, they're like, okay, it's just someone, again, who just asked me for a print and, and we'll be just like, mm, no, thanks, not interested. And this is something that I want to avoid straight off. You yeah, know? of course. This is why I really want to have the website here. I want to have the pricings and everything there so I don't have to deal with these kind of questions like, can you do it any cheaper? Is it a little bit mm, smaller? You know, something like that. But then again, maybe it's just me because I'm willed to pay for it. And, you know, I automatically assume that people function the same way as I do. Or at least I want to build my clientele that way. I've got these people in. But it's good, though, because you've got a standard for yourself. You've set yourself a standard that you're like, okay, I'm not going to go down any lower than this. Um, this is what I, this is, and it's, it's actually really nice to hear that, you know, you value yourself that much and you value what you do that much. Because I think a lot of the time people don't value what they do or they don't really put the kind of like 
you know, the, they kind of thought into what they do in terms of like, you know, what I'm doing is worth something. Because a lot of the time people, particularly with photographers and photography, it's kind of quite seen as quite throwaway or it's seen as like, you know, anyone can do it. And that's not actually the case. I, co- I completely agree with you. Whoever says everyone can do I, I disagree. Like, seriously. No, I think everyone can take an image, sure. But not everyone can tell a story through an image. Or not everyone can create a piece of art, you know. I think an image is not always a piece of art. I think people don't really realize that. So it's like, it's having that extra layer and the kind of depth to your work. Like, that takes skill. That takes talent. That takes something more than just pointing and shooting an image, a camera, you know. I'm, to, I'm completely with you because this is this is also what artworks makes for me, you know, yeah. the, person, the, the personal story, the connection. Can I connect to it in some sort of way? Take Does it take me back to some certain place? Does it take me back to some certain period of my life? That's art for me, you know, but I, I cannot connect very much to some sort of snapshots as you just mentioned it. You know, it's not, it's, that's a picture. Yes. But maybe artistic. Yes. But to me personally, it's not art when I cannot connect or feel it, you know. Hmm. Something that I'm very much thinking about lately, it's a conversation I had with another photographer yesterday that I'm very much thinking about the idea between what makes a photograph a piece of art. Because I think photography is a bit of a weird, photography is weird because, you know, everyone has a very different opinion of photography now than they used to. And I think um, sometimes people can force artistic kind of filters slash kind of artistic you know atmosphere onto images and it's kind of like you can make an image artistic without trying to be too artistic about it like people are trying sometimes some people sometimes some people try too hard i guess is probably what i'm trying to say um and they get to a point where it becomes a bit tiring and a bit boring ever repetitive but anyway let's cancel this let's talk about your work because you haven't actually got onto that yet <laughs> oh, <laughs> i've been right, here, right. here for like almost an hour and i'm like wait we haven't actually spoken about your work actual work yet so let's go into that <laughs> for our ramble on um i'll come back to that that um thought later because it's, it's actually part of the next section so can you please describe your work for people if they have not seen it yes my work to people if they haven't seen it how would i describe it gloomy as you mentioned already dark, emotional, uncomfortable, probably, to some maybe monotone, since it's consists of the same um, color again and again, with just slight changes. And my work, my work is, my work is aimed towards the awakening of decaying faces surrounding us. Let's just simply to embrace the darkness of our days. That's my work in a nutshell. Oh, I like that. Um, I like that a lot, actually. But also, so why is it about photography that allows you to do this? Like, why not, like, through, say, art or film or painting or sculpture? Because I started, I started with, with the thought of making film way too late. Like, way too late. I, when I started out, so many people... They gave, you know, they gave explanations about how they started with photography, but never paid much attention to videography. They just started four years later, five years later. They were, you know, regretting it bad shit. And I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in videography. Why should I, you know? And now I'm at the same point as like these people. I'm like, damn, I should have started way earlier with videography. Like, 
I should have started straight from the beginning, you know, because there are so many things that you can adapt from composition to color wheel to everything, but just it's just the gear, you know. You, you maybe have a camera that's able to to make videos as well. You know, you can combine it, but I just didn't do it and I really regret it. I started way too late. I started uh, a few a few months ago because I actually figured out this, that my camera was able to pull off pretty solid video. And I was like, damn, and I even have the image civilization, the embodied image civilization. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's just try it. Let's just do it. And I started like way too late with this a few months ago. And so my, my photography is way more advanced than my videography, but I'm working on it as well. But um, as I figured out, videography takes... For me personally, it takes way more time. It, it's way more time-consuming than photography itself. You know, with with all the the posts, um, editing, and everything. It's just oof, cutting music to it. Uh, it, it. It's a pain in the ass, especially when really when you have to get a grip on it. And other forms than that, um, I would really love to paint, mate. I would really love to paint, but I never found the time. And uh, actually, I never found the time to to do it. You know, I'm that kind of guy. I'm that kind of guy who's awake at three in the morning and is watching a YouTube video about different brush effects and stuff like this on different acrylic colors on different papers. And I never even had a. I didn't have a brush in my hands, you know. But I'm just preparing in case because it's really interesting to me to paint, but. And low-key, I mean, this is really just, I'm already painting in Lightroom so much. I mean, if you see my my workflow and my, I, I use brushes, touch and burn, radial, linear filters, like editing is really, sometimes I really feel like a painter in there, don't get me wrong, but I'm like, yeah, I'm like, shit, is this even editing anymore? You know, it's like, you know, you connect the, the brush here, this brush there. I like to touch and burn and to brush my pictures, you know, really to work out the details. And this is sometimes like utterly painting. It feels to me like that. That's a really good consideration. I've kind of never really thought about it in terms of like the editing process is almost like a painter approaching an art, a piece of art. That's actually a really, it's just digital. So you don't really think of it in that same way. That's, that's really, I've never thought about it like that. But I'm like, damn, that's good. I like that. That's really interesting. Very good. good input. Now, I, I figured it out. Because this is why my edits, they take so long. You know, people just, okay. they see, okay, he, he made a, he made a carousel posts of 10 images. Hmm, nice. Let's scroll it through. But each and every one of these images, I mean, it has at least four to five hours. And I'm, I'm not lying to you, you know, oh, this is oh. really <laughs> I'm a whack. Working, working time in there, you know, because I, I'm, I'm going to drop uh, an some some editorial stuff in the near future where people are really want to to make them see how this really looks yeah. you know like how, how much i'm putting into it because this is this is the sh i experienced it with the presets now mm. i sold a few presets so far and people were like they were, there was one guy and he was like yes but it doesn't look like yours and i'm like mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Dear. What are you? What? What are you going to tell that person? You know, he's probably a photography beginner as well. You know, he wanted to approach my look. I don't want to be 
a scumbag who's just, you know, who makes the impression, I'm just here for your money, give me your money and you can look like me. No. And I'm telling the people when, when, when I'm in the preset pack that I'm selling, you know, I'm putting, I put like a huge message in it and telling them, beware of, I shoot underexposed. This is not some kind of just apply, click, it's preset ready to go. I tell them there are filters in there. You have to adjust them. If it doesn't look right, you have to just adjust the temperature slider. You know, I'm really giving directions step by step. And then they still come at me like, but it doesn't look like yours. And I'm like, yes, but I'm even putting, I, I put the, uh, the, the core raw files where I developed these wow. presets. I put them in the box and I, I'm telling them, download these pictures. Every picture has its own, you know, it's, it's, it's name. The preset name is already the photo name because my presets, you know, as an artistic fuck as I am, they also have their signature name and shit. Yeah, course, so yeah. the, 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 the photo has the same name. I'm, I'd be like, apply the preset to the picture, put it away. You can see, okay, what kind of conditions do I need to be shooting in? How do I have to expose correctly? What do I have to shoot, you know? I'm really explaining these things and then they are just like, but it doesn't look like yours. What's your secret? And I'm like, mm, maybe, just maybe, it's the five hours that I'm spending with dodge and burn and brushes. Just maybe. Just I think that's the thing though. Everybody wants like quite a quick fix. And, and because you have a very specific visual style, I think it's very easy for people to look at your work and be like, oh, that's easy. Or, oh, I can do that. Just give me a few filters and I can make it. And it's like, but you don't understand, like, it's been developed. It's been crafted over time. It's not a case of, oh, let's just slap a few filters on it and it's going to look great. It's like, you probably don't know what you're going to be doing with the next image and how you're going to tweak it because you're always developing it. And it's just like, I don't get how people can think that, but why would somebody want to copy your work anyway and have your kind of visual style on their work anyway? Like, yes, it's good for learning. It's good for like understanding, you know, maybe people don't dodge and burn or maybe they're not interested in color temperatures or maybe they're interested in color theory. There are elements of it that's really helpful. But how helpful is it really if people are going to just recreate your visual style? Like it's it's not conducive to the photography community. It's like you're literally just copying other people. Um, yes. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm guilty of this myself. I mean, I downloaded, I downloaded presets from well-known artists as well, but not that I, I did, I did not want to copy them. I had two yeah. intentions behind it. First of all, I wanted to support the work anyway, because they're fucking nuts. You know, I, I support that. They, they didn't have any prints. So I was like, you have, I'm taking a preset. I'll support you in that way. But secondly, I just wanted to see their approach. Yeah. You know, what are they actually doing? And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not naming anyone here by name, but I was I was so disappointed. I I I purchased four presets from really great, really big photographers, you know, like really big names. And I was so I was like, are you kidding me? Really? This is your preset? And when I mean, I, I don't know how familiar you are with editing itself and how, how much um, passionate you are about it. Yes. Yeah. But when I go into, when I, I have 
Lightroom, okay, you have this, you have the the, the curve, you know, the tone curve. Yeah. And I go there personally, and I see the black, blue, green channel in the tone curve, and the shit it, it was not even touched once. I'm just like, what? What what are you doing then? Like, how is that possible? Oh, okay, I see it. You just pulled the blue slider to the very left. Ah, oh no. <laughs> You know, and this is something like I was so disappointed. I, I was, I mean, I get it. I get it from, from my personal point of view right now um, that they didn't want to reveal their secret and stuff. Yeah. I totally get it because I will not reveal my secret either way when it comes down to my hue, okay, to the hue in my highlights and the hue in my blues, in my shadows, excuse me. But to just to, to be like, hey, there you can, you can. They didn't even touch the the the, uh, the color grading as well. Back then, it was split toning. Forgive me, you know. And, and I was just oh, no split toning was touched, but only in the highlights, for example. And I was like, "This? How do you? How really? Am I doing something wrong here? Like your pictures, they look nuts. They look insane, you know. But and this is it? Am I too complicated? Do I think too complicated? Maybe is there something that's wrong with me? You know." Did, do I put too much effort in it to make it look all the same somehow where someone is just seemingly like putting five minutes of work into it and be like, so, okay, that's my look. You can buy it for 20 euros. There you go. You can look like me. And I'm on the other side like, fuck, man. What? Touch the slider at least a bit, you know, just just do it for me at least. Just touch the fucking tone curve. Like, I think it's because, as you said, a lot of photographers... Or just artists, but a lot of photographers don't want to reveal their secrets because then, you know, it's kind of like, and it's it's kind of a good point in a way. It's like, how do you show your process without literally giving everything away? Um, it's kind of a good point, but I can understand that in a way, but another way, not really. Surely you'd create something that is not going to be exactly what you're going to do, but it's going to be the quality of what you'll do. It's, it's the same for me. For example, for the presets that I develop, I always, I'm always stressing out for with the people uh, in my stories and everything, I'm always stressing out the three main factors when it comes to editing in color for me are camera calibration, split toning, aka color grading, and the tone curves all the time. Red, blue, channel, everything. And the only thing that I, in my presets, for example, I did not touch the um, the, uh, the the color grading, highlights, and the hue in the in the in the shadows slightly, but I I made it everything you know like comparable via toning, toning and everything, but I just, I kept my secret and still make it look like, you know, like still yeah. get those blues out in a different kind of way so that someone can achieve it. And this is why I'm telling people all the time. If you, if you don't do not achieve that look, if you do not have these green, these green bluish tones, just adjust the temperature slider because I developed it that way that it works for you. No, I really put work into it. And then, and then I see something like this and I'm like, oh, God, really? Cock, fuck it. And you know, and I, I put radial filters and everything in there. And I wrote like, you really have to consider to adjust it, to make, to move it at least, to make it brighter, darker, to remove it, whatever you like. And then you see a picture posted where there's the radial filter obviously in there, you know, not even touched. And I just explained it to you. Like, how can I help you even more to understand it? 
because I, at first instance, instance, I'm looking, to, you know, I'm looking at myself and be like, shit, did you say anything not very understandable, understandably to him? I mean, you are responsible there for, you know, it, it, I feel like it's my responsibility. I guess in a way it kind of is in the sense of that you're going to end up getting tagged in these posts and or you're going to end up having your name and your brand associated with it. So it is your responsibility because it's your product you're selling. Exactly, exactly. And this is something that I really want to, because as you as you pointed it out very well, my name is out there, yeah. you know. Oh, I I created it with the preset from Cursed by Mora, for example. And it doesn't even... I can only imagine that would be a heartbreaking. <laughs> That's a direct hit, my friend. That's a direct hit when you really... <laughs> So um, actually, and this is quite nicely onto the next question, which is about the idea of originality and style. So like, how important is it for you, for your work to have its own style and be original? Uh, it is, it is, it is very, very, very important to have your own style and be original. Wait, I have to, sorry. Okay. Because I, it, it took me, it took me, um, it took me a while to figure out where to go with my style, what to do with my style, what I, as we were talking before, who am I aiming for? What am I aiming for? And it took me, I mean, if you talk to the, to the followers that I have from the time back then, you know, these kind of followers, they really, they, the true ones, let's call them like this, they, they really, they saw the development, you know, for example, in colors and in composition. So they really, they really know dude is coming his way you know and therefore it took me so long to figure out to to give to give a visual to the stories in that i was more or less was processing with it so it took me a while for me therefore it's so damn important to have this look this style as i told you before as i as i was just um, bypassing it real quick if you, if you cannot connect to my work now, there will be days where you maybe think back of it or wait, there will be days where you can look back at it and where you can connect with it. And if you have to face these days, I'm here, you know, like I can provide maybe something that helps you go over this phase or go over it. So therefore, it's only achievable with a certain look if you ask me personally to be remembered by. But if you just look again back at it from 2018, for example, was my street photography year. And I switched to fine art at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. My look, I, I figured out my, my, my color, my hue. I, I had these things on point. But I was, I desaturated my pictures to death. You know, like seriously, I... I drained all the color out of them because I like them that way. And I like the, you know, these, the, the fade in them and the, to crush the blacks and everything. So completely, completely decontrasted. And back then it worked perfectly fine for me. But and when, when someone asked me like, why your, your pictures are so desaturated, what, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, it's, I don't like contrast and look at me now. It's yeah. 20, 20, and my pictures are contrast, contrasty as shit compared to where I actually started from, you know. So I have these, I have that kind of development. Right now, 
um, lately, let's call it like this, I'm working with with a with a contrary component like red in my pictures. You know, I had it some I had it sometimes ages ago. I just put a little you know spot in there, dot in there, but this it, it gets stronger and stronger these days. So I have really have a contrary color in there to balance certain scenes out, especially in night photography, for example, but also in daytime photography, in my in my portraiture, uh, yeah, portraiture work. And, you know, so I'm really, I'm, in, I'm putting these colors now together, something that I wouldn't be aware, I don't know, two years ago. I mean, I guess I, I doubt that you saw the work from there. I can no, I just think. show you a screenshot of it, for example, yeah. but you will see it's so desaturated and not comparable with my work today. But I will send you a screenshot yeah, later definitely. on. You will see yourself so that you can picture it yourself. So therefore, my work developed. It developed in a direction. First, it was desaturated. Now it's saturation. Next step is putting more contrary color into it, like red. So it's developing, but the only thing that really remains, that remained since day one, is the hue in the highlights and in the shadows. And it's, and the dodge burning and everything. And I also think something very important in my case, I think if you changed uh, your style, not only... Not only constantly, but from time to time. If you change your style, you, you somehow lose the connection to your audience. This yeah. is what I think as well. Because as I, so I have my audience, I have my ideal viewer, and if I change that constantly, I will just disconnect with them. I saw it, I experienced it firsthand when I switched from street to fine art, you know. I was so disconnected to my audience, like just a few states. Totally understandable. I mean progresses undeniable it's 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 undeniable you have to do it you know at some point but back then it was a drastic change and people were like oh, fuck. i'm not playing along that i didn't sign up for that you know i'm, yeah. I'm not here yeah. yeah and you have to be you have to be aware that people come to you visit your page for example or admire your art because out of certain reasons and i just i think i just showcased mine well enough so i know what kind of people you know are searching up for my work or coming up to me or wanting to chat with me or you know these kind of people but if i would change it constantly yes my spectrum would be wider i would have different kind of people from different kind of niches probably but then again it's quality it's quantity over quality somehow and it's yes i'm developing as i told you before i'm doing different kind of things and i'm just putting out what's efficient for the for the label itself everything else is just that's not cursed by moral that's just a pretty flower whatever you know <laughs> like so colors so what made you switch from street photography to fine art photography the stories. When I when I did uh, when I did street photography, I very soon I came to a point thanks to Fujifilm. I mean, my my development was also I had my plateaus and stages. I did black and white. Then I got the Fujifilm. I fell in love with the future with, with the Fuji colors. You know, I love to shoot with Fuji, and I was doing color all of a sudden, and then then I started a project that changed everything. And that project, it was called Project Six back then, and it was it was a project where I just I sat together with a few people, 
and they told me their stories because I, 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 I called out, you know, I was just like, I would like to be interested in a project, work with you. Give me your stories and I will transfer them into art or into pictures. And they did so. And to me, it was like I heard some really amazing, strange stories. And I, you know, I had that in mind and I was aiming towards it. I was like, okay, I'm going, I have this now in the back of my head. I need to go out there and find something that showcases the situation, the feeling of the situation, the person behind the story very well. And I was able to do it until a certain point where I hit a plateau, where the stories, because this little project, it grew bigger and bigger. And, you know, more people wanted to participate in it. But I wasn't aware to pull this off in street anymore. You know, I wasn't aware to pull it off in the moment because, again, as street photography as well, I'm never, I was never that kind of face in your camera kind of guy because I respect personal space way too much for that. So I was more or less, I was looking for locations, you know, where the light hit perfectly. And I was just, you know, waiting for people to pass by or do something like this, you know, or at least to ask them if it's okay to take a picture and things like this. And I just figured out you cannot... I really loved that. I, I loved that concept. I loved that project, but I was aware that I cannot... I, I cannot pull it off in street photography anymore, you know, and uh, I have to stage it, you know, to to really to build a story behind the picture. I just had to pull the picture off first. I, I wasn't it was not it was not looking for the picture anymore. It really was to build a picture around it. And therefore I switched to to fine art photography or really tried to to build my own stages up, you know. And there was excuse me, please. No, I was gonna say that. So why do you think that um like telling a story or, or narrative is so important in photography? Because you you have a voice. You have a voice as an artist, you have a voice as a photographer, you have a voice of as some someone who's influential. And it's if you just compare it, this is something that really pisses me off about the the famous people, for example, or people that really great musicians, like you have so many followers, you have so many people that are admiring you. You have you have the power to tell something, and all you do is you know unimportant shit. Like try to change something. I think as a, as an artist or as someone who's really able to move something, you should use that voice wisely, and you should really use it in order to to transfer something and in my case this is how i i was just i was canalizing the voices of the people who told me their story through my camera so they were not they were not able to tell these stories out of their own reasons and so i took it into my hands or they trusted me enough to give this into my hands and to convert it into a picture because they knew my approach about photography, about street photography back then as well. They knew what I was looking for, you know. But some of these stories, they were just so overwhelming. Like, I was just, I was, I was desperately looking for that shot. I was desperately looking for that, for that scenario. For example, how my pictures actually, I, li- I, I just like to, 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 to build pictures around stories. 
this is this is actually what I'm doing. This is this is this is the concept of my art, you know, stories that people may not be able to tell. And this this is how this project back then just it, it changed everything because it gave me the kick into the direction. It gave me the kick into what I'm doing today, and it just gave me the courage to face my own stories as well, you know, because I was talking to these people just as some sort of, as I told you, just to canalize their voice, just to make them be heard. And then I was like, shit, these people, they are, they're courage. It's amazing. Maybe I should just start with the same shit, you know, and just, just put my stories into pictures. And this is how I actually switched into fine art. Yeah. This is where I really was very limited with what the street gave me. And I was also bored by it, by it, to be honest, at some certain point, because I was more interested in the stories. It's kind of an interesting consideration, the idea of like, immortalizing yourself and your life through photography yes because it's kind of like you know when you're no longer here the images will be uh may not necessarily in the form you want them to be but it's still a documentation of your life and it's also documentation of the time you're taking currently now to actually create them that's a really interesting consideration um, which is why I love talking to so many people because I get very different things out of every single conversation and I say this in every single conversation and it's really interesting because people say stuff and I'm like I've never considered that so it's perfect um, that's one of those moments where I'm just like wait that's maybe maybe the whole point where we're taking images is a whole idea of just to immortalize our lives I remember remind people we exist you know that's probably it um, uh, so do you think that the whole kind of cinematic moody images are overdone and do you think that, and like, you know, are there any kind of like photography cliches you don't like? Let me allow me to to answer this question with a counter question. What what is cinematic in your in your opinion? So to me, cinematic imagery is an image that it doesn't tell a story, but it suggests a story. But that's edited like in a certain way that makes it seem almost not like a photograph, I guess. Why I'm asking you this question is because I got a lot of... I don't see myself or my work as cinematic at all. But people tend to yeah. use that term on work. This is why, it's, it's, this is why I was asking you because yeah. to me it's... It's confusing. Maybe I just have a different, a different look on what what's cinematic and what's not cinematic. But then when you, when you when you read comments and get messages like oh, the cinematic is in point, and I'm like, that's not that's not cinematic. Like, how can it be cinematic? You know, this is what I'm asking you because when when you when you mention cinematic, the first thing I have in mind is light sources, different artificial light sources, different colors. You know, that's yeah. that's cinema. That's boom in your face. May it be moody, may it be happy, it doesn't matter. But this is, you know, lightning, perfect lightning. Lightning on the face, background lightning, that kind of lightning. You know, like like really lighting a scene out, that's cinematic for me, personally. And when I take a look at my pictures, the last picture I posted, for example, from the silhouette in the between of the woods, that's not cinematic. That's just background light, you know. How can it be cinematic? You know what I mean? I do know what I mean. Like the light. But I, I think, so I think two things. I think one, I think the term cinematic is overused anyway. I think we call it anything cinematic, really. 
And secondly, I also think it kind of depends on what films you're referring to, because it's like when I think of somebody like um, Tarkovsky, that's a director. I don't know if you know his work, but he's a director whose work I would be like, oh, well, that looks like it could be an influence or your work reminds me of his films because of the, the softness and the gloominess and the visual cues. I think it's more about like kind of the visual aesthetic of your work as opposed to necessarily the actual story itself. Um, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say your work is cinematic. I would say it's moody and it's considered. But then again, it would be cinematic, I guess, because it tells a story or it suggests a story. I don't know. It, hmm, it's a loose term. It, it's, it's a, I read that question. I was like, okay, what should I say? What is cinematic to him? Like, what, what is cinematic to people after all? Because maybe I just have the wrong impression. No, no, no. Let me rephrase that. I don't have the wrong impression, but I think that people have different kind of approaches and impressions when it comes to that word. And as you say that very well, it's an overused term. Like everything is cinematic these days. What, what is cinematic? This is, no, it's not. It's, and for me personally, when I think of cinematic, I see a picture, you know, in front of my eyes and don't get me wrong, but my work, if it's not a night photography shot, it's by no means to me personally cinematic. That's, and this is high approach. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because I actually think nowadays with the imagery I'm looking at, I think images that are shot in the daytime can be more cinematic than things shot at night. So I think um, I think we there's definitely a a trope that you know if it's something shot at night, it's going to be it's automatically like a cinematic image. Um, and there's a whole trope. There's a whole trope of like you know I love night photography. A lot of people who are probably going to listen to this do night photography. Um, so I don't want to be like disrespectful because it's something that I really enjoy. But there's a, a level at which you kind of get a bit bored of it and you want something else. You kind of want like, oh, how can people redefine the night? Not just with, you know, a certain kind of cinematic, through a cinematic lens. Like there has to be other ways to take a picture of the night, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but, then, but then again, what's a cinematic lens? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it comes down to the elements, color, composition, framing. You know, like, for instance, all my images at the minute that I'm shooting are cropped to 16 by 9, because that's the cinematic aspect ratio. And then at the minute, all the work I'm creating now, I'm putting subtitles on, because that's cinematic. So I'm very aware that me talking about cinematic, I'm also doing the very same thing. My work is not excluded from that. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, it's almost like we're trying to make photographs not be photographs as much as we can. But then again... Is that a bad thing? I don't think that's actually a bad thing, though, to be fair. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, when you, you, you mentioned the ratio now as well, I, I completely agree. I, when I hear cinematic as well, I, I have the 16 by 9 ratio. You know, I have the... So, yeah, it's... It, it's really, it really comes down to personal preferences. But to come back to your question... Um, cinematically overused pictures from what i consider to be cinematic no there are artists out there big numbers in the game who are just overdoing shit again and again which yeah is boring sometimes because it's nothing new but then again, I, I don't I don't look these big numbers up to be honest. I, I, I like I like to like focus on smaller creators, you know, really on, on these people who deserve to be uh, who deserve to get some spotlight. And when I this is why 
my following or people that I'm following, they, they are not, they are not particularly big, but not yeah. because I just, you know, I'm more in the, in the kind of cr support a small creator in order because they deserve it sometimes even more. And for what I'm seeing from my feed or from the people that I'm connecting with, I'm definitely not. No, I, I cannot get another, enough of it, you know, because it's that kind of work that, that I'm seeing and I'm like, shit, how is he doing that? Hmm, the light is like this. Maybe I could use it for myself. Maybe I could, you know, I'm learning these kind of things because if I, it, it may sound extremely stupid to you now, but I do not look at work from people who are having a silhouette standing in front of a beautiful landscape. Because, dude, I can pull the shit off myself, you know. I don't need something like, like, like yeah. but I know I don't need these kind of people in my inspiration feed. I want to see work of people that are, first of all, way too underrated. And secondly, where I really can learn something from. And currently, or at the, at the moment, where I'm really doing a lot with, where I'm trying to wrap my, own, my, my head ar uh, around videography and stuff like this, of course, cinematic for me. Therefore, I have more of nighttime artists and visuals in my, on my inspiration list, you know, than let's go out in the morning and shoot some fuck people because I'm, I'm that kind of guy. So, no, no, no. Definitely send me some suggestions because I've got quite a lot of cool people I can send you away, um, like for sure. Um, yeah, I'll send you some people. I send you, I love sending, what I love doing with the Flying Free Bowl, I just me personally, I love connecting people. Um, I, love I just wanted to say, you are the connector here, like for real. You're really <laughs> like putting them all together in one place and putting it together. That's amazing. I love it. I honestly do. I honestly do. I think it's the best thing ever because you never know who's going to see a piece of work from you that's going to inspire that or maybe a piece of your work is going to inspire somebody. You know, it's just like, it's so cool. Like, it's cool. I get sort of everybody, which is even better. Um, because there is an artist that I'm going to send to you later on today and I've actually already sent your work to her because we're talking about cinematic imagery and we're talking about um, the idea of atmosphere actually no I commented on one of your posts saying check out this guy for atmospheric if you want to know about atmospherics um, I don't know if you saw her or not but I'll send her your work later and I'll send her work to you later what, what, what's her name? her name is uh, Riona Bethello wait is it? That, that's the name that's the name it, it she's the painter yes, right yeah i looked I, I didn't i didn't see the comment okay i did i did not see the comment i have to agree i have to um, compl be completely honest with you but just just before we started this interview i was going through all these questions and i was looking and you, you this is why i asked you for the name because there was her name there was an artist and i looked it up and i i've never heard I've never heard of her, okay? And you were like, the, because this question was low-key uncomfortable for me, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah. my, <laughs> my art was never, I never met someone, I mean, yeah, I never met someone who was like, hey, this looks like a piece of blah, 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 blah. So never someone compared my work to anyone else's work. And then you, ca you came along with that name and I was like, what? who's that? And I looked her up and I'm amazed, like seriously, I'm, I love her paintings and I felt like, shit, this, th I need to, I, I need to do something with her. Like we need to collaborate or something because her paintings, the wind, the, like, you know, the, the glass and everything, it's, it's like, this is, this is basically what I'm doing when I'm on my way to 
you know, some certain destination and, and yeah. it's raining. I'm taking pictures of that and she's painting it so well and so admirably. And I'm in total awe of her work, like seriously. It was now 10 minutes before two o'clock here. So I did not have the time, but I was like, shit, I, I, I took a screenshot of her page, you know, just so that I can remember because I wanted to reach out to her anyway, but we... I wasn't aware that something like this even existed, man. I was not aware. And this is just, this, this is what I mean. This is you. This is great what you're doing, you know? You bring this to her. You have, you, you have so much knowledge in that field. You have such an audience that you really, you can be like, mm -hmm, okay, you know, it fits together. The puzzle fits. And then I'm here like, and I'm seeing this picture. I'm seeing her paintings and I'm like, shit, this could be, this could be one of mine. Or this could, mine could be one of, of hers you know vice versa the same way which is just it's it's mine actually she actually probably actually i bet she probably would if you gave her some of your images she'd probably paint them actually that's something i would really look forward to like seriously well we, 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 we're gonna make it oh uh, oh so one thing i do in my story is i keep saying i'm gonna do it i will do it at some point is i'm gonna do actually a kind of like without trying to force people to connect, but I'm going to put two people together and be like, oh, these people need to collaborate and have like, because, you know, there's like a, a few, quite a few pairings in my mind that I'm like, these two artists need to talk to each other. Um, and I'm going to do that at some point in my story. So I will put you with her just so that everyone can publicly see that you do need to talk to each other. <laughs> definitely. Um, definitely need to. I want to do it, but I also don't want to be like forcing people to talk to each other. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. But then again. No, but it, it it, re it really comes down to the uh, to the to the reaction of the individual because again yeah. I, ju I just saw her work real quick of course someone maybe can see it as some sort of pressure like oh my gosh Aaron thinks we have to talk so let's just be gentle and nice and do it you know but it's like I, so I, I cannot I cannot even describe it I mean my English is not the the best after all but I cannot describe when I saw the picture the hue the color. The rainy windshield, it was just like, you know, looking into something I'm so fucking familiar with. And I was just like, what the fuck did he just do? How, how did he do that? You know, <laughs> like, what's that? Well, it's amazing. It's, it's like, like, it's like a mirror to the soul, you know, like, fuck, there's something. So Love it. I really appreciate it. No, it's fine. I, really I don't, I'm really glad that you like her work. Her work is incredible. I love her work. She was one of those people where, like... She's just so great. But actually, let's go on to her question. So her question was, um, wait, I'll put, where did I put it here? There you go. So do you like being compared to other artists? No. <laughs> no after, <laughs> after all the talk we just had, no. I do not like to be compared to other artists after all, because mm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that my work is one of a kind, okay? I'm not saying that after all, especially after the talk we just had, but I'm saying that these stories or the approach to it is one of a kind. And as I told you before, like, I'm trying to convert these stories into pictures. And these stories are one of a kind to me, at least, you know? So this is a very personal thing. And when someone is telling me, like, hey... This picture looks like, or is it a picture from him? Do you use his look? Do you use his preset? Is it something? I'm, I'm like hard shadowed, you know. I'm like, fuck, really? Like, really? Uh, you know, it's it may be the artistic ego or whatever it may be, but something is like, 
But then again, I have to be totally honest with you and I have to give you that first D, like seriously. I, would got, I never got compared to someone else as well. <laughs> so this, this is a total, it's a new situation for me and I'm loving it. So maybe I like to be compared to somewhere else. Uh, like I cannot, I really cannot un, uh, explain the question any further because I never had that issue, to be honest. I think if you haven't had that issue, that's a good sign. But I think also it's kind of like, it can go both ways. I think it's good to have like a touchstone or a reference to like whose work is similar to yours. That's a good thing because it means that you're doing something right. Other people are doing something similar. It gives you kind of a sense of belonging. But then I, I think it depends on the context in which it's said. If someone literally just says, oh, you're copying X or this reminds me of X, it's kind of a bit like, well, that's devaluing you and your work. So I think it's it always depends on the context. And I think, yeah, you just don't want to feel devalued and you don't feel like you're spending your time doing something that people just don't appreciate because at the end of the day, you're putting a lot of time and effort into what you're doing. So, you know. Yeah, I got it. So, yeah. Let, let's see Let's see if I got compared to other artists in the future and then I can, I can come back to that question again. But from now on, I, I think that I don't like the thought of it because I see my work as something very personal and intimidate. In, in, intimate, intimate, excuse me, it's intimate. So therefore I think, you know, when you, when you display yourself, when you showcase yourself and when you lay your heart out on the silver tablet for the whole world to see, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot away from you. And when someone comes at you and it's like, hey, <laughs> this looks like X, Again, it's it's like it's heart shattering somehow because you think like shit, like I put so much into it only for you to compare it to someone else. Oh. But again, I think it's just it's my thought on it, and I think it's the artistic ego that speaks out of there, and maybe just the the vulnerability. Excuse me, I have problems with that word. Vulnerability. You just yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that one. <laughs> uh, that you just you know. That you don't want to, it's an uncomfortable situation that you maybe don't know what want to face and, but maybe have to sooner or later. I, I don't know. I'm not at that stage yet. I really, uh, so. So your work is the perfect example of being, you know, visually consistent. Uh, but do you actually ever worry about like being predictable or like repeating images? I'm aware that I am. I'm very well aware that I am predictable at some point when people, if I do not change small things, small adjustments, for example, like I told you before, the desaturation thing, the thing with the red, more incorporating uh, night photography into it and stuff like that, I'll be predictable very soon. I'm very well aware of that. But then again, I'm also very well aware of the fact that my clientele, the people who are following me, they are not consistent because the face in their life is not consistent. You know, I'm really just there for, for the majority of people, I just will be there for a fraction of time, you know, like when they really can connect to it or really look back at it and be able to connect to it and think back at certain kind of times. But I do think, yes, that I, and I also became very predictable I have to admit as well, before I reorganized my feet, I became very predictable for myself. So yes, I, yeah, 
I agree. I, I am. Either I could be, and I was as well. But I am also totally aware of it. But I think that's actually quite interesting that you're not like afraid of that, or like that's not a problem for you. No, no, I'm not afraid of it. As I told you, because I really see it like this. I may have, I may have that wicked, that wicked approach to it, but. These, these kind of pictures, these kind of stories, they are not permanent. They are just, they, you know, they, they, they came out of a low, for example. They, they, are, they, are not, they, are, they are not there your entire life. And therefore, I may be not there. You know, this is the approach that I'm having. It's really, it's really hard to, to, to put it to you into words, what's just going on in my mind when I'm, when I'm hearing that kind of question. But I'm aware that my work may, may not be permanent for, for, for everyone. But just for me personally, you you really have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you really have to to be a fan of it. And to me personally, when I when I did the prints, I there was a room, my my small room, my working room. I had uh, 20, 22 prints at the same time, you know, in that room. And I was just going through them and I was just, you know, they were all around. I really, I plastered it up all around the room, you know, just to see, like, just to have the impression for myself what it would be like, what it would, would feel like to enter a room. Like, for example, when you have a gallery or something like this, when you step into there and you see these oppressive tones and these moody, gloomy art from everywhere, you know. And I was just like, that's a theme. That's a theme to me. It's like... This is exactly what I wanted to achieve. This is exactly what I wanted to do, to come to have a theme to your work. There, there, there may be slight changes in there, but the overall picture, it's just, it's one topic. And in these 22, in these, for example, now these pictures, in these 22 prints, there was literally my life in front of me, as plain wow. as it may sound. And this is like, you know, it's, it's some sort of going back into time and just, you know, you just have to turn around and you connect, you connect this, you connect that. And no, I'm not afraid. I'm really not afraid of that to, to maybe to be predictable or to lose, to lose the hype or whatever, as people may call it. Because as I told you in first place, I'm doing this for me. Everything else that I'm getting out of it, may it be something for, you know, selling prints, selling presets, selling, make money of it. It doesn't matter. This is just a benefit. This is just a plus to all of this. But personally, my art helped me overcome so many things and so many struggles in hindsight. Because if I knew that I could achieve this way earlier in the day, in the day dude... I would have, you know, a lot of things that I wouldn't have to go through. But now it's just like, you look at it and you're like, shit, this is, this is your work. That's so fascinating. Because it's just like, I think we forget how important art is to create, not just a final image itself. You know, it's not just about, Oh, look at how cool this image looks. It's like the process of getting to the image, the process of, you know, ex um, 
internalizing and externalizing your thoughts and emotions that went into creating that work and the, the whole like, kind of pre-production and the whole thought process i think we forget very easily that any piece of art is really just very well said yeah exactly that's it and that that that's that's the the way art should be used for and this is why i told you before if i cannot feel a piece of art work painting a, a, a riff or whatever it may be then it's it does not affect me and uh, yeah not on a deeper level let's call it like that like it's not like i'm not saying oh shit you're a great guitarist like whew. but it's not like mm, i'm totally admired by your skill you, you know what i mean it's, yeah do you think that wait how am i gonna wait how am i gonna actually answer the question that's it so how important do you think it is for an artist to be personal online like do you think showing yourself online is going to help your work or hinder your work showing myself online in a sense of really being physically present yes. like yeah so like you know if somebody wants to know about you in your life as opposed to just about your work like is that going to be helpful to your work or do you think that would hinder your work or like or like i guess what a better way to ask it is like at what point are you comfortable to be known by people i would i would just personally i would prefer that people know me See, this is this is the kind of, of approach that I'm that I'm uh, the, the kind of tactics that I'm approaching currently on my with my label here. <clears throat> the other day, let me tell you a quick story. The other day, I was someone, a friend. We were sitting together, and a friend of mine showed a friend of his, uh, a girl I haven't seen before. I never met her or something. He showed her her uh, one picture of mine because he had a, he had a screen a screen uh, screensaver you know wallpaper on his phone. She was like, "What's that? I know that. What's that? I know that picture." And it was a picture I haven't I haven't been posting online. Okay, so it was not on my feed. It never appeared. Oh. And she was like, it, "This this is the, the dude from this is this, this dude from Instagram, right?" And she 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 only recognized this picture by the colors you know by the, by yeah. the spectrum and by the composition and i was sitting next there and i was, i felt so flattered by it you know i, I i'm not that kind of i'm not that kind of guy who was like that's me my work you know hello that's me myself i did this no i was just sitting there like he looked at me you know his his eyes they were like should i tell her you know? and i was just like fuck, this is such a huge compliment for myself. Like, people actually, I mean, this happened a few times, not the same situation, but also as well online, for example, where people just like, I know I know your work. I, I, know, I know the picture because of the colors or I saw the picture. And this is so much flattering to me as an artist for my current approof, uh, approach, excuse me, than to be like, hey, that's the face of the guy who makes gloomy pictures. So I but I do think on the on the other hand I think it could be very beneficial as we talked before in a sense of feeling more connected to the artist, feeling more connected to the person themselves because when people actually see my face they will be like, "Hey, although he got 
ex-followers, I can really reach out to him because I know I have the impression or the feeling that I know him and I know that he will answer because I have a face to him. And you know, you know what's the, wor what's the worst thing about not putting your face out there? I swear to God, there's one huge downside to it, which I would have never thought that I have to face. And this is finding models. Yeah. You cannot find any model which you do not know personally or I'm you yeah. know I'm doing it I'm doing the network okay I'm reaching out to people here in my area I'm, I'm in a very I'm in a very I'm living in a very small crowded place you know so the kind of place where barely everyone knows everyone so if you don't reach out to someone who at least knows that you're the face behind this label these these people they, they will not they will not answer you they will not take you for full and this is the biggest uh, the, the biggest problem that I'm facing right now it's the biggest problem that I'm that I was facing six months ago because you have to see it like this I started when I started this whole con conceptual art thing I had concepts all over my head I still have concepts from two, 2018 that I wasn't able to pull off yet because I, I don't have the models to do so. You know, this may sound very plain, but this is a huge problem for myself, for my, for my work and the biggest downside for my work. Because when you talk to people, they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's okay. But I mean, it's understandable because it, they, may, they may be just be thinking like, okay, it's another creep with a camera. You know? Yeah, like, that's, yeah. Who the fuck is this? Like, he could be a 50-year-old guy. He could be a 12-year-old girl. Nobody knows. You know? It's true. And this, is, and this is the problem. This is really, this is the biggest downside because, again, it's a small area and you cannot reach out to strangers like this. I met strangers, like, like literally someone I never met before without knowing without her knowing who i was or what i was doing once and you know how much networking i've been doing over the past few months just to get my concepts through no fucking chance because people they are always hyped <clears throat> and then you know last call like oh, oh i really don't want to do it or i can i don't have time or whatever and i understand it somehow but then again i mean you know when you approach someone with with intentions that aren't bad after all, you still have to face the consequences of staying anonymous because you could be whoever whoever in the world, you know, like some sort of creep yeah. or whatever. No one knows. Yeah. It's that's a really good point. That's a very, very good point. Especially if you're shooting models and you're shooting people that you don't know. Um exactly. Yeah. I, and I need I need, you know, for my for my last project. I, I, I had a concept in mind, again, with the color scheme, popping red into there, and it had to be a blonde girl because it, it would, it would um, uh, go along so well with the colors, you know, with the background, yeah. with the red. So I had this in mind, you have to be, it has to be a blonde girl in order to counter these colors. I have no idea how many messages I wrote to people, you know, in my area, and I have no idea how often they thought of me of being a creep or whatsoever. But this is really, this 
this is nerve-wracking, like for real. I mean, I did it in the end. I, I, I was able to pull it off, but only by the help of a friend, you know, who knows someone, who knows someone, blah, blah, blah. But I think also with that, in my experience, because one thing I used to do back in the day is shoot for modeling agencies. It depends on the approach, because if you're sliding into people's DMs, that looks very creepy, you know. But if you're going through, I mean, do you have modeling agencies that are like kind of consistent over there? No, that's it. That's yeah, That's your problem then. Because had you had like modeling agencies you can contact, you know, then you could do like you know work for people's books, and then you can you know you have like kind of better access. Um, but there has to be some kind of network where you can approach people, not that you're not professional professionally, but in a more kind of professional platform because i think like dming people on instagram to do images just screams creep exactly that's the point a creep with a camera great yeah. as if i wouldn't have 40 of them in my inbox already you know and, and i mean then again though if you show them your work and you send them i mean that's a, this way where you need a website so you seem like you're established a website that has a biography that pretty much has your face on it because you'll need your face there somewhere just so people know you're not like a robot. I mean, how else are they going to know? Do you have any idea of how much of a plateau or how much of a, uh, yeah, how, how hard this is to me personally? I create, I, I designed a website in my head, okay? The only in ingredient that's missing, it's the picture of myself, you know, this year. To showcase, hey, I'm a human being, I'm not a robot. I swear to God, I took pictures. I, I, cannot, I cannot tell you how many pictures I took, okay? I, I really don't have the numbers. It was uncomfortable as shit. Editing these pictures was uncomfortable as hell, you know? And I was just sitting there like, and you know what's the best part about it? Every goddamn picture turned out to be creepy, you know? There wasn't some sort of picture and I was like, hmm, you could look. So, up. what you need to do then? Get some nasty picture of you. There you go. Perfect. All done. I already, I already asked. Yeah, I already asked. That concludes the first part of my conversation with Curse by Mara. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflowingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Football Podcast is now available on several platforms such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word. Also, please check out theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tiers start from £1 and more information can be found over at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. As well as Patreon, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations, the link to which can be found in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. And until next time folks, please stay safe.